how you express yourself is so important. It's part of who you are as well. So I think that's part of the struggle I have in that, you know, when you just can't sort of, you know, your personality doesn't seem to shine through in like a photo of your face sometimes, you know, sometimes you can look a bit aloof or a bit, you know, I've got resting bitch face, like to the extreme, like, you know, you look really sad or angry to be somewhere. Um, Yeah, I guess I just sort of wanted to take that out of what I was doing. And so I did the whole thing like from the neck down, shoots or, um, you know, a lot of hair swish across the face sort of thing. That was a big thing um, I used to do and I still kind of do now um, just to take my face out of it and make it a bit anonymous and a bit, um, I think that uh, that sort of increased engagement a bit as well from people, just that that anonymity and thinking, just being able to project themselves onto an image as well. Like when there's no face, I think you can appreciate the essence of it a bit better. I'm Alison Rice and welcome to Offline, the podcast. These are honest conversations about true self with the people behind the Instagram accounts and the teachers who help us on our way. A lot has changed since I launched Offline in September 2018. It started as a podcast and thanks to your ongoing support, it turned into a movement. Today, Offline exists to help us explore the essence of who we are and how to live, create and succeed in alignment with that. This is our true self. There's the podcast, a series of online courses I've created with our collective needs in mind and experiences that allow us to connect as a community. Visit getoffline.co to find out more or follow getoffline.co on Instagram. I hope this episode helps you on your way. Thank you for being here. My next guest is one of Australia's leading luxury fashion creatives, Caitlin Ham. She's the founder of Modern Legacy and the owner of one of the most inspiring Instagram grids out there. I constantly turn to Katie's account and her website for fashion and style inspiration. If you follow Katie, you'll know she's quite private. So I feel very privileged to have had an honest conversation with her. It's a rare insight into her life, her work, how she thinks about style and the business of being a fashion influencer. What you might not also know about Katie is she's funny. Like laugh out loud, big belly laughing funny. We do a lot of that in this episode. And in complete contrast to the highly refined style she's pioneered on Instagram, Her personality is down to earth and relaxed. In this honest conversation, Katie shares how she got into blogging, her relationship with style and shopping, how she spends her days as a fashion creative, details about her tiny 10-person wedding, how she's thinking about the future, why having a supportive partner is a form of privilege, and so much more. Here's the fun and funny Katie and I for Offline. I do appreciate you sitting down with me because you don't – it was your first podcast, yes. first of all, and you don't really do interviews no, much. No. And there's nothing on Google Mm-mm. about you or anything, your life, your story. 
So I'm, I feel a bit privileged that I get to help share some of you with the audience and hopefully your followers as well who might be interested. Yes. Yeah. I hope they will be. (laughs) Yeah. So tell me Katie or Caitlin and why, because when you introduce yourself to my producer, you were like, Caitlin. I was like, oh, yes. Okay. Full name. It's usually Caitlin um, that I go by only because mm, I I suppose that's just how I identify myself. Um, But really in my life, it's honestly 50-50 Katie or Caitlin. Um, mainly, I mean, the first person to probably ever call me Katie is my grandma, Mama. <laughs> Good old Mama. She's on Instagram. She's Get out. I won't say how old she is. She'll, she'll kill me. Um, but she's in her 80s and on Instagram and Facebook and follows me and likes my photos and all that sort of thing. Oh, it's so cute. Um, <laughs> so, like, long time uh, supporter and follower. Um, she first called me Katie, um, and actually had made a ring made with Katie sort of written on it very early on. And, um, I don't know, she calls me Katie and my sister, Michelle Shelley. That's just who we are. But I'd say, um, they were the only people early on who ever, she was the only person who early on called me Katie. And, um, yeah, for some reason when I was first sort of, um, starting out doing the blog way back then and all this sort of stuff that I'm sure we'll go into, um, making it, coming up with an email that I needed to come up with. I, for some reason, I couldn't have Modern Legacy, you know, the name of my blog originally as an email. And I just, um, for some reason, I thought I'll just combine my name and the first word, modern, with it. And it was just ended up like katie.modern. And um, that led to my Instagram handle because Instagram was nothing back then. So I just made it my email. And yes. It all just sort of uh, just became a thing. Like <laughs> that was my name or something like I, I try to. Do people to, think that your last name's modern? Yes. Yeah. And that was so embarrassing to me for me to think that people thought I had made up some sort of stage name or something. <laughs> I was mortified, absolutely mortified, like thinking about people in high school who must be thinking like, oh my God, like who, who does she, she think she, think she is? is? Like, oh, um, so mortified. It was literally just because when I started, um, uh, when I was coming up with an Instagram name, it was, Instagram was nothing. Mm-hmm. Like it was, I mean, I had no followers obviously when I first started and this was, would have been at least six years ago. And, um, I didn't think it was a thing. I just thought it had to be something you did, did, Mm. and, um, just made it my email, like Katie underscore modern instead of Katie dot modern. And then, oh, just, it just stuck because by the time you have a following, I didn't feel right sort of changing it. To change it. it. Yeah. But this is like the fascinating thing about, um, building a digital brand Mm. is, there's a lot of those stories where there wasn't that much thought put no. into it. <laughs> and it's interesting that on the back of just going, oh, mm, yeah. that seems like logical. <laughs> yeah. And then you can build an entire brand off that. Whereas I guess these days, are we a bit too strategic mm. where it feels sometimes to me a bit contrived? Yes. Yeah, no, I definitely think so. I think so many things, um, especially if you're first starting out, if you overthink them, it does become contrived and um, unnatural and, you know, mm. I, I think your authenticity is already suffering in that sense. Yes. And um, just energetically, like, I think people can feel mm. that Yes, in a way that it's trying really hard to be something. I think the best brands almost do happen quite 
organically and grow yep. quite organically, which is much the same as yours, I guess. Yeah, I think um, uh, my brand especially, it, I mean, it was based purely on my own sort of personal taste and style from the get-go and has always remained that way. Um, just so it is that natural progression and evolution um, uh, and just sort of trying to entertain myself, um, mm. not anyone else. I started it to entertain myself and I still just try to entertain myself while doing it, not really thinking about too much what other people might be thinking. Um but yeah, I think that um, there was a period I think where you know being an influencer or a blogger, like blogger back in the day, that was the dirty <laughs> word back school. in the day. I know, wasn't now it? it's influencer. <laughs> um, when people were you know trying to give advice on how to become one or something, it was all about um, you know thinking about your brand ahead of time. You know, thinking like what, what's the, a good name? Like you know, how are you going to build your brand that way? And I think immediately it just started to become so contrived, like you said, and um, just unnatural and people's, there was no authenticity there or, you know, nothing to base your integrity off of, you know, in a way. Um, You know, there's no sense of self there um, if you're just trying to think about what your brand's going to look like. and Mm. Should it be successful? Yeah, should it be How cool does this sound or not? You know, um, I mean, I, like I said, I've now got a, bloody stage name that I didn't <laughs> even intend to have um, and you know, have to say like you know no my name's not last name's not modern it's actually ham it's you know like the meat <laughs> you know um but I'm fine with it <laughs> I didn't need to get rid of it but just you know oh, what happened <laughs> um, um yeah. can we reverse or rewind a yeah. little bit um I'd love to learn about your upbringing and your childhood. I don't have um, an incredible memory of mine. And so it's been mm. an interesting thing for me to ask other women, especially. That's I don't know why. Yeah. I don't know whether it was like, I don't know. Like I honestly, <laughs> I think back and I, I probably have about 10 memories in my mind. That's really interesting. And I can't, I don't know whether, I mean, nothing super traumatic happened. So it's not like I've suppressed it to a point where I can't access it. Mm. Um, I I don't know. I was very internal. So mm. it could be that. Yeah. That I was doing a lot of thinking on the inside and feeling, but not a lot of experiencing. Yes. And being in the moment. But um, what was your upbringing like and what were you like as a kid? I have very, very fond memories of my upbringing and I'm, somewhat the opposite. I remember everything. Wow. Almost. Oh, at least I think I do. Um, I haven't like my poor husband suffers because I have a memory like an elephant. I will, <laughs> as you know, if that rumor is true, they like, I will just remember everything. And I remember being, having such a, just a really happy childhood. Um, I suppose we were, um, you know, typical sort of middle-class family. Um, I grew up in Toowoomba in Queensland, so which is like sort of a big-ish country town, but still a country town. Um, And with it was my mum and dad and my little sister Michelle. She's only about two years younger than me, so so pretty close. close, Yeah, and we um, grew up very close um, as well. So we did uh, spend a lot of time together. Um, I just remember, um, you know, having the privilege of 
growing up in what was basically a big country town was we just spent all day like playing in the yard at our friends' places, like, you know, riding our bikes in the street, walking to the corner store, walking to parks, like all alone, like, you know, as children. Um, yes. Uh, spent a lot of time in the pool. I'm, the amount of time I've spent in chlorinated water, I'm surprised <laughs> that, I don't know, I haven't got webbed feet, but um, <laughs> I'm a bit of a water baby. But, um, and I even recall, because I was thinking back to it um, and I even recall our parents used to drop my sister and I off when we were like maybe eight and 10, um, respectively, um, to the local community pool and just leave us there to swim. Isn't this wild? Yeah. <laughs> like, and I was like, you, that's ludicrous. We could have drowned. <laughs> Anything could have happened to us. Um, but we were absolutely fine. Like we just, we would spend hours there, just the two of us on our own, trying to get to the bottom of the four metre deep lap pool, which seemed very extreme at the time. And it was when you think about it. Um, but honestly, I think so early on, our my mum in particular instilled um, in both my sister and I just a sense of assertiveness and mm. um, independence that meant really if anyone had tried to come bother us, especially me as the big sister would have just stepped in and been like, no, thanks. Like, go away, leave us alone. Mm. Um, not that anyone ever did, but cause I th- guess you had that sense of safety, but, um, yeah, thinking back that that's what mum did. Well, I, now it's yeah. like, I just wondered, do we just have this, like that hypnosis of social conditioning that, mm. that would not be safe? Yeah. Like, do we know too much now? I worry for myself as a parent. Mm. I'm like, that kid's going to be glued to me. <laughs> Precisely, yeah. I mean, I think probably our, like you and I, probably at our age, like, you know, um, 30s, um, mm. probably had that last little bit of a childhood that didn't have that social media, didn't have... Um, you know, that real sense of, I think, danger that probably yes. does, um, you know, get tossed around more these days. And um, it just, you just had such a sense of freedom mm. and independence and, um, you know, be able to grow on your own through your own experiences um, as well. And I'm, I'm like you, I, I worry um, if I, you know, chose to have children um, that, they couldn't have the childhood I had, Mm. you know, they just, I mean, how much has changed since we've grown up in the past like 20 years or so? I mean, in another 10, 15 years, like what's the world going to look like? And then just the pressure Mm. to come out of the womb with a following or something, (laughs) you know what I mean? I've been thinking a lot about, A, will I even announce that I'm pregnant? Mm. B, I mean, obviously, it's going to be hard to hide in yep. the long in the long term. Towards the end, will I put the baby on Instagram? Mm. Like I'm in this world now. I'm like, maybe I won't. Yep. And it's absolutely nothing against anyone who does. I just think, well, wow. Mm. Like everyone's watching, and then what will happen when my kid is eighteen? And they're like, what the fuck is Instagram? And why am I all over it? Yeah. <laughs> Um, what were you thinking? (laughs) (laughs) So maybe there's a bit of a privacy thing there for them in the long term. Mm. Like they are choiceless. Yep. In it. Yeah. Mm. No, I think, yeah, I mean, it has gone a bit too extreme sometimes um, with the oversharing. um, I think the motherhood thing, I'm like, it's, I have a little bit of, I wouldn't be as dramatic as to say anxiety, but, you know, Mm. just with the matching 
linens and the yep. the whole thing as an aesthetic, like motherhood as an aesthetic. Yes. Are yep. we losing touch with just being present mothers? Mm. Or even just, I mean, everyone can recognise that that could never be the reality the entire time. So it's just. Do you reckon though? Because sometimes <sighs> I wonder. No way. Yeah. <laughs> if you're listening, it's not. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> it can't be because. No, it's not. I'm not even, no, I'm not even going to um, pretend that it could be. I. It's just like that. I think it's just one more thing that you would add to your list of having to think about aesthetically, mm. which I personally would like to limit yeah. <laughs> most of the time because life is messy mm. and it never looks um, how we all wish it would look all the time. And in fact, maybe 99% of the time it yeah. doesn't, but those are the best bits as well. Um you know, they're, they're the funnest bits mm. basically. So yeah, I just, I'm the same. I, I don't think anyone will ever know if I ever do have a child. Yeah. <laughs> so it'll be, a you know, constant mystery to those who, yes. you know, aren't actually in my life. Um, you know who did such a good job of that? Um, is Mandy Shadbolt. Yes. I was going to say. So I was like, you have children? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> what? I know. Like school-aged children? <laughs> like, <Yeah>. Already, really? <laughs> I know. I know. Um, incredible. I was just about to dive into a whole topic, but I want to wait because I've got my little questions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, wait, not that bit yet. Um, I wondered if you could tell us a bit about your teens and your 20s. Mm. How old are you now, if you don't mind me asking? 31. 31. I'm nearly, what am I? Am I 34? I'm 34. I don't know. <laughs> I just, it's weird now where I'm like, well, uh, yeah, I, I could know. be 34, I could be 40. I know. <laughs> I think I think so far ahead sometimes to prepare myself for the next age that yes. I think I'm that age already. I think I'm already 32. I think I'm already 35. <laughs> yeah. That's why I questioned it. <laughs> yeah. But I'm not. I have that yeah. dreaded, like, I would say probably once a week. Yeah. Someone says, oh, 35, you better get going with a baby. I'm like, mm-hmm. I gotcha. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> loud and clear. Thanks for the reminder. Fertility <laughs> falls off a cliff, I understand. <laughs> yeah. I got the memo. Love hearing it. <laughs> Just keep it going. <laughs> yeah. um, but I wondered if, yeah, if you could tell us a bit about your teens and your 20s and are there any experiences that perhaps shaped you into the woman you are today? Like I love that you were saying as a child something as simple as being dropped off at the pool for a day gave you a sense of independence and I guess assertiveness. But, you know, my teens and 20s were real messy. Mm. But without all of that, I would absolutely not be the Alison I am today. So what were yours like and was is there anything that comes up for you? It's actually interesting because I, just stepping one step back from my teens, my primary school years were actually some of the harder ones for me. Really? And I think it's because looking back now, I can see that I probably matured slightly earlier than a lot of my peers and my friends. And when things, um, it was like very much a time when, you know, uh, it was better to like the same things as other people, you know, dress the same, you know, find the same things funny, all that sort of thing. And I just guess I didn't play along with that from like quite an early age. Um, I was always a bit of a questioner. Um, my my mum used to say every time she would ask me to do something, I would always be, but why? But why, (laughs) mum? 
she would be like, ugh, again. <laughs> Just do it. <laughs> Just do it. But she actually, to, to my mom's credit, she was very adamant in explaining to me every time why, why, why. Um, you know, why. And sometimes she would say, when I would question her, she would be like, hmm, I don't actually know why you need to do that. Maybe you don't need to. I was like, oh, okay. That's cool. Yeah. So I guess from a very early age, I was like that. So um, primary school was a little bit hard for me um, trying to fit in. And like I had a group of friends, but we clashed a lot and I felt quite um, on the outer a lot. So once we um, moved, we actually moved to Brisbane for my mum's work um, in when I was 12. So going into high school. Um, and my teenage years, my high school years were actually really, really positive. Um, mm. cause I, even at 12, I made a conscious decision. I was like, I'm going to make this better than what I've just experienced. Like I'm going to make it's fascinating. Yeah. More genuine 12. friends. Yeah. I, like I said, I was, I think I was I've always been a bit of an old soul. And mm. I think even in my childhood, I was a bit and, um, I was like, no, I'm going to make a conscious effort to be myself, find people who I want to hang out with and I don't care if they're the cool group or not, basically. And um, so my teenage years um, were really quite positive. I had a large group of friends, but all very, you know, in different groups. You know, I would have my core group, but, you know, we'd, um, you know, sort of drift amongst everyone and everyone sort of got along and it was actually a really positive experience. Um, of course, I mean, um, or teenage awkwardness was oh, yeah. definitely a thing. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I think I, I didn't even get interested in, in boys even, um, until I was probably in university, like all through high school. Cause I never had a brother or, mm. you know, I never really had, I went to an all girls private school, you know, never had access to the men, the men <laughs> anyway. Um, so, and I was always usually half a foot taller than most of them, most of the time anyway. anyway so I was like, mm, go away. Um, and a real tomboy, like for lack of a better word. Like, Were you athletic? Yes. Or, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I was everything as well. I was, um, I was one of those people. I was, I was sporty as well as in the, you know, music groups like choir. I was um, academic as well and prefect and all that sort of thing. You know, I was that. I know you. That, that annoying person. <laughs> no, um, I think that's beautifully ambitious. <laughs> yeah. But, um, Setting the bar for the rest of us. That's right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess always quite multifaceted, which meant I just, um, like I said, drifted among a lot of groups and had diverse interests and everything. So, um, but yeah, very much a tomboy was never, you know, um, delicate or traditionally pretty, I suppose, when I was young at all. Like I'd never really, um, thought of myself like that. And cause I just wasn't, I wasn't what boys liked, you know, like I said, I was half a foot taller than most of them and mm. sporty and broad shouldered. And, you know, I wore Canterbury shorts and a polo t-shirt with its color I can popped. see you. Yeah. I can see you. <laughs> I was that. <laughs> um, so my teenage years, yeah, obviously had that awkwardness when you come out of them and I guess getting towards the end, maybe year 11, 12, when I was starting to think, oh, like thinking about like, oh, guy, boys won't even like me. Like, mm. you know, I, I'm not likable like that. And, um, and I guess you start to see your body and stuff. Yes. Like you start to really see yes. yourself. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. again, I, having said I matured mentally earlier, I definitely matured in my body earlier as well. Like mm. I, um, 
I got, you know, I had grew breasts earlier mm. than everyone else and, um, you know, needed a bra, or, you know, before everyone else I was tall and somewhat curvy, you know, um, and just, I think being aware of that and that sort of thing, everyone else around me still looked like children. Um, mm. you know, again, it's so interesting at that age to mm. understand the space you take up. Yes. Mm. Yeah. That's a really good way to put it. Yeah. I don't know. That just comes up for me because... Um, well, so my boobs just never came. <laughs> um, I just, I'm actually jealous. I wish I had like none, but <laughs> I know it's always what you don't have. It always. If I could have like D's, mm. I would take them. That's what I've got. Do you want to trade? I would. Do you want <laughs> this half an A cup? Yes. <laughs> I don't even have to wear a bra. It's embarrassing. Oh. <laughs> no, it's not like Kate Moss. It's not like that. It but, constantly like I turn to the side. I'm like, I could be facing the back right now. <laughs> No, <laughs> you wouldn't know. But I will say, even though the boobs didn't come, I my shape developed, mm. and I definitely have found my hips earlier than you know my friends, and I had a lot of small friends, mm. and Me I remember too. just kind of wanting to be smaller. Yes, like I wanted to be petite, yes. like them, yes. and light, and and I just wasn't any of those things. It's interesting that. Um, we felt that so young, mm. you know, and then that never kind of goes away, which is the shame because I still, I still am aware of the space I'm taking up now. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I wish I wasn't as focused on that, but I guess it's just never left me. Yeah. Maybe smaller girls don't have that I, feeling. Yeah. I've imagined that because I, um, you know, every time I'm talking to someone who, cause I'm always acutely aware of how much taller I am than someone who's particularly short. And I feel like the behemoth, you know, like, <laughs> you know, who the hell is this? Um, whereas they will always be like, Oh, you know, I wish I was, you know, your height and things. I'm like, look, man, it's just, <laughs> it's not how you think it feels. It ain't all that. <laughs> no, you're always, you're always at the back when lining up in school and school photos, all of that sort of thing, and it's the same for the rest of your life. Like, like I wanted you know. to be one of those cute girls in the front row of the oh, I know. picture <laughs> I know. with the tanned legs and the... You're always up the back. <laughs> Just, like, sweaty and, like... Yeah. <laughs> oh. I'll be the same. When it comes to the more established and, I guess, earlier bloggers like Katie, I'm always curious to know about life right before becoming an identity on the internet. Like, what did they study? And was there an office job before? Or was it always going to be fashion blogging? Um, a little, yeah, it was a bit of a crossover, I suppose. So um, I left school and um, went in to study law and because I thought, well, I vaguely enjoyed legal studies in year 12 and you have to make a decision at about 16 what you want to study for the rest of your life. So stupid. It's <laughs> ridiculously hard and pressurised. But um, so I, and I had a good OP um, as well. I don't know was what you guys have in your uh, Mine was a... Um, whatever it is. A, UAI. Yeah. I think it's a T something or other now. Oh, yeah. It's not, anyway, I had the scores to be able to study law. And so... That's incredible. You know, that would have been a big... High score. It was, well, it was an OP2 and I guess the highest is you get is a one. Um, so yeah, wow. I was that person. But again, um, I, it was that sense of not wanting to waste that. So, you know, um, and I really had uh, honestly no other idea what I would do anyway. So I always thought I'd go into law. So 
I studied law and um, I started out in journalism, so law and journalism. Um, but quickly I did a year of journalism and it just ugh, wasn't for me. Uh, just We had like 80-year-old lecturers who were talking about that you could answer your phone in class if it was your source calling you about a story. And as soon as he said that, I was like, this is not for me. <laughs> like, what do you mean? Um, who has sources at 17? I'm just like, who are you? Um, oh my God. And then, but there were like serious nods around me. And I was like, um, okay, no, all right. Um, so I sort of switched to arts. So it was law and arts. Um, and it took me, it was a double degree, five and a half years of study. Um, so fairly, you know, big chunk Long of time. time. Yeah. yeah. Mine was three years. And even in the third year, I was like, oh. No, I know. Um, actually I was going to say about the third year is when I sort of got to the point where I was like, I don't think I want to be a lawyer. Like I've, you know, got to know the people around me who clearly were hell bent on it and I wasn't like them. I didn't you know, um, resonate with me. Like I don't want this bad enough. No. I mean, people knew the name of Supreme and Magistrate Court judges who they wanted to work for. And I had no clue. I was like, what are you talking about? And they already knew who they wanted to intern with and things like that. And I was like, I'm this, I'm way out of my depth here. I just, I have no passion for it whatsoever. Mm. And there's a lot of family legacy in those people as well as in there, when their parents are often. Connections everywhere. Totally. Yeah. I mean, people's paths are set before them before they even you know, they're born most of the time mm. in that regard. Um, and I didn't ha- really have any of that. So um, actually about three years in, I realised I didn't want to do it. But um, I uh, that's about when I started my blog, I think. Um, was it? It was about three and a half, four years in, I think. So as a bit of a creative outlet. And cause I What was year would this have been? I mean, can like you even... Like 2011, wow. I think. Yeah. Does that make sense, kind of? When did I graduate? Actually, wait, 2000... Might have been earlier. Maybe 2009, mm. technically. And then... But it's... Oh, God, it seems so... It was so different to what I do now. It's hard to even recall, like, you know, um, when it really started. But um, I started that as a creative outlet and um, just finished my degree and um, thought, what am I going to do with myself now? I just had, I had the blog, but it was nothing really. Like I, it was blogging as a thing was still sort of quite fresh. I was doing it um, uh, and getting some recognition, I suppose, for it. Because again, it was quite early on, even Mm. in the Australian market. And I I guess I um, sort of, came slightly behind the originals, you know, Um, and I just ended up taking a job, I think, in like some online fashion store in Brisbane thinking, I I guess, fashion, like I want to do something with fashion. That's interesting. So you kind of had that, already that innate sense of creativity that you needed an outlet. Yes. And then also that there was an interest in fashion. Yes. Yeah. Which is so different to law. Yeah, so yeah. different. Mm. And um, I, 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 I mean, I've always, always had a deep interest in like my own style and clothing and what I wear. And I think I've been always quite um, individual in how I dress and, um, you know, opinionated about it. I'm sure my mum suffered a lot with what I, she let me out of the house when I was <laughs> very young, um, like crop tops and tartan skirts that oh, my grandma made me, you know, those days. sorts of things. God, it was big. <laughs> um, and so it was always there, but um, I had no sense of 
it being something that you could study at all, even like if, if I'd wanted to do, I, I guess you thought you might do design and mm. maybe that's it. <laughs> like that's probably all. Like I, I guess I started doing journalism thinking maybe I could go work in magazines or something, but even then when I thought, no, journalism really isn't me either. Like it's so structured and it didn't feel like there was much room. Well, there's not much room for creativity in actual journalism. Like that's exactly, probably the yeah. point. <laughs> Lucky you didn't go down the magazine path. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Precisely. So, um, yeah, it was just I finished uni and worked in like that online store and then I moved to another one that was, you know, quite a successful one in Brisbane. I won't name it because I actually had a really bad experience there. Um, and that's sort of what led me to um, go out on my own because I had this job that I absolutely hated and felt completely directionless thinking how have I ended up. I've got a law degree here and an arts degree um, and I'm just working this online store in Brisbane not really expressing myself in any way. And then I had a terrible boss and it was this awkward family situation that ran the business and all this sort of thing. Um, and I just had to get out of there. I just had, basically, I'd, it was like a rock bottom moment where you're like, I, there's nothing more I can do than just release myself from this. And that's the thing. It's like, I don't have anything else, but I can no longer stay here. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, and luckily my, I mean, my family have always been really supportive of um, just doing what makes you feel happy basically like not you know um and I actually had my partner at the time still so um he's my you know my now husband but he was my boyfriend back then and um we'd been together already for a couple of years and he had a nice traditional job and we were living together anyway so I could sort of be supported by him in a way um early on which was lucky um just to be able to quit that and think what is it I actually want to do and um I think it was my mum who just said, well, this whole blogging thing seems to be something, um, you know, and Instagram was sort of, I just sort of tuned into Instagram as well. And um, it was kind of taking off in a little bit of a way, like I was getting enough attention that brands at least were reaching out um, and you could charge like, you know, maybe couple hundred dollars yes, here and there. Yeah. yeah. Like How many good. followers would you have had then? Um, Instagram wise, mm. oof, like, mm, maybe like 20, yeah. 30,000, you know, like, which back then seemed like a lot. But, oh yeah. Back then. You know, um, but you know, now just doesn't seem as much, but, um, and I just built it really, really slowly up from there, I suppose. Um, if honestly, if I hadn't had the support of my partner and family, I wouldn't have been able to do it. I mean, it's not, I was very privileged in that sense um, that I had so much support around me to be able to do it. Cause I mean, I was earning in minuscule amounts and was in no way prof really professional about it either. But um, I slowly learned how to, you know, build it up and to think about it as a brand and a business mm. over the next few years, I suppose. Um, so that would have been about like 2014, maybe when I um, finally went out on my own after just a couple of years. That's yeah, so about five years ago. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, and it still, it felt very fresh and like had no idea where it was going to go, but I just had no choice but to 
try. <laughs> I'm glad you raised the privilege piece because anytime I've even been sharing my story with offline mm. so far, and it's been just over a year, I'm saying that exact thing that only because I have a supportive partner who agreed that, you know, as a couple we could take a risk. Yes. I'm not saying where it's easy, like mm. it's very stressful money wise. Mm. But I think about, wow, if I wasn't with him, that would not have been an option for me no. to leave that job and try and make a start on my own. Yep. I wouldn't have had, yeah, the means no. to not pay rent or, you know, any of those things. So um, I do share that a lot as well. So I'm glad you did because it's circumstantial a lot of the time. It is. It's not impossible to do it. Mm on your own, but it does usually involve you having to have another job. Yes. You know, yeah. so you can at least pay your bills and get by and, yeah, and we had this interesting exchange, I guess, because when I got promoted at work, he took a year and a half off because mm. he'd been sort of doing what he was doing for 14 years in the same job and had kind of excelled professionally and was really satisfied with where he'd gotten to and just wanted some time just yep. to sort of like take it easy. And so I was like, I'll be the breadwinner. Yeah. <laughs> and so did that. And then when I left work, it kind of switched yeah. back again. So it's that beautiful th and that's marriage, right? It is. It's yeah. just the, the pushes and pulls and sometimes you're driving and sometimes you're not. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, that's that whole thing where you and I are probably the same way. You've just sort of found your person quite early on mm. and you were just in the light in, you know, in the lane of life early on together, I suppose, just, um, growing together. And, um, my husband luckily is, um, he works very traditional job in sort of project management and construction. So he's just sort of like, well, one of us should be happy in what we're doing. May as well be you. <laughs> <laughs> he says that a lot. I'm like, oh, Oh dear. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But I'm off like, to a party. Bye. <laughs> yeah. See ya. Um, but no, seriously. I mean, he says that because he's like, look, I mean, what I do isn't bad, but one of us may as well have a bit of fun. So And do the passion piece. Exactly. Off yeah. you go. <laughs> you How know. did you guys meet? Um, we, <laughs> um, it was when I was, I would have been, ooh, 18, 19, 19. Yeah, just 19. Um, How long have you been together? Like, Well, since I was 19, so wow. um, it'll be 12 years at the end of this year. Yeah, Incredible. It's a long time. <laughs> um, that poor man. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, Stephen. Um, so we met just very, um, I suppose, uh, just very casually. It was at um, a mutual friend's um, birthday, um, uh, 20th birthday, actually, at the Regatta in Brisbane. Very... Um, Marketplace? No, <laughs> it <laughs> sounds kind of flat. <laughs> it wasn't. Um, and I had I knew who he was. Um, he he was actually the best friend at the time of a guy who I'd sort of very casually dated very early on in university in my first couple of months, and I knew who he was um, just from afar. And <laughs> my nineteen-year-old <laughs> self, being the mature person I am and was at the time thought um, I was a bit annoyed at this guy who I had seen as sort of dumping me um, and I thought well I'm here early I'm going to sit next to his best friend so he has nowhere to sit 
like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> what a move. Yes. <laughs> Just, oh, um, real hectic. Um, <laughs> it made sense at the time, at least. Um, and um, he was, Stephen um, was painfully shy. Um, and uh, all I really wanted was just someone to chat to because I was actually, I'd come out of school, like I said, not interested in boys much at all. And I just wanted some guy friends, basically, you know, coming out of an old girls school. I just wanted some guy friends. So, I started chatting to him and we realised we lived around the corner from each other um, and thought, oh, like we should hang out more, you know, like whatever. And he, I don't think he said more than like 10 words to me because he was so painfully shy. Oh, bless. Um, And just like, who is this person? Because I I guess I was a bit more outgoing. Were you Um, like, it's all good, I'll just do the talking. Yeah, totally. (laughs) I was just like, yep, yep. But really it was, it started out as a conversation between just just friends and we were honestly just friends for a good like nine months after that we just hung out with our mutual friends um you know went out to clubs and did all that sort of really fun stuff not um (laughs) uh just you know staying out way too late remember Mm. when the nights used to start at like 10 p.m totally i don't know i'm like you (laughs) could take my right arm off (laughs) that's right Not exactly. at all. Or if um, anyone's like, should we have dinner at eight? I'm like, 8 p.m. Eight? It's like, I would like to We're not in Paris. <laughs> Jesus Christ. 6.30 booking, please. <laughs> yes. I am that person as well. Um, yeah. So, and then it just really, really developed naturally because he wasn't my type, you know, um, at all um, at the time. Uh, and we were only about just the same height, for example. Like, you know, I'd always wanted someone a bit taller than me, but, you know, he was just my height and... I guess, I don't know, we just started hanging out more and more because we live around the corner from each other as you do. And then just really at one point we were like, oh, are we dating? Like, are we? And we were like, hmm, maybe we are. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Um, And, yeah, just we've just been attached to the hip ever since, Mm. basically. Um, It's so nice that you've been able to grow together. Yeah. And, I mean, obviously that's such an important thing, but – Looking back, I don't know whether I ever consciously thought about doing that. Mm. It's just happened to happen naturally. And so I can see how people can not grow together. Me too. Yeah. Um, And you see that, obviously. But um, I guess I'm thankful that I didn't have to think about it too much because it just Mm. happened to happen. Um, But, yeah, we've just sort of um, weathered life together in such a way that – it seems so natural and it, it doesn't seem like it's been 12 years, I suppose. Like in a way, yes, but in a way I'm just like, oh, it's just the same person who, mm. you know, we've luckily grown up together. And Is your together. wedding on the internet? No. No. No, mine either. No. Where did you get married? I got married at um, Walsh Bay, you know, where oh, the Sydney yes. Theatre Company is? Yes. Just next door to that. Yes. So we just got married like out the front on the water. Oh, nice. And then we spun straight around and went into the reception. Oh, sweet. So we did some little, like, Harbour Bridgey photos. Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> which I don't like those ones. <laughs> um, and we have a couple of photos I love, but we're just not really those posing people. So yeah. we just look like mannequins. <laughs> it's like <laughs> quite weird. And, like, this is the thing is we got married six years ago mm. and – you know, I think about what I wore and the wedding and I'm still in love with all of it, really, like mm-hmm. the casual nature of it and yeah. 
still love my dress and everything, but there is stuff I would do differently now, like, you know, and I would know what photos to get, whereas then there wasn't that standard or that bench of like, these are the types of wedding pictures Mm. you would get, like the Instagram weddings now, where I'm like, oh, that's cool. Like, if I had my time again, I would love, but we're going to do 10 year vow renewal. Oh, nice. And I'm going to wear the same dress. Oh, so cool. You know, just yeah. got to stay this size. Yeah. <laughs> Only four more years. <laughs> yeah. well, it's good to have goals. <laughs> I mean, big priorities, big goals in my life. Yeah. <laughs> but I just think I'll get my shot at those pictures and yep. all of that again. But then at the same time, I guess I'm thankful that I kept it private mm. because now it's one of the closest, dearest things to me. Yep. And it's my own and yep. it's his as well. So um, was that a conscious decision for you? When did you get married? Three years ago now. Um, so not that long ago. No, no. So we, um, uh, we, I mean, we basically got married, what was it? Yeah, 2016, um, just because we had a window <laughs> to do so. <laughs> basically, we just, I wanted to go on a honeymoon. <laughs> Basically, I worked backwards. I literally, I booked this place in Puglia in Italy, kind of before it was really as cool as it is now. So I always wanted to go and I worked back from there. Um, I was like, oh, we got to get married by about now um, for us to be able to go on our honeymoon, if that's all right. Which I've pre-booked. Yeah. <laughs> which I, so we kind of have to. Um, and it, so, so, I mean, it wasn't... Um, yeah, it was just a, quite a casual decision, I suppose, because we'd been together for nine years by that point. Um, and I mean, honestly, could have happily stayed unmarried, you know, in mm. terms of just how much thought I'd, you know, really put into the whole thing. But um, I I couldn't have handled, a, I even say big wedding, I mean a, a normal sized wedding. So yours was small? But, um uh, t- 10 people, I think 11, including us. Get out. Yeah. Um, all my mother-in-law said that it's just as long as she's there, she was happy because mm. she's Italian and um, quite traditional in a way. Oh, so there's probably like 200 people that weren't invited. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, luckily, um, my husband has a twin sister who got married uh, about a year or two previously and she had the big Italian Catholic wedding in the big church and all the cousins were invited and stuff. And I said, Marina, that's my mother-in-law. I said, you got your wedding, <laughs> didn't you? She's like, yes. I did. I understand. <laughs> um, you know, I was like, you're not going to get that from me um, at all. Uh, so we ended up getting married on a, a on a yacht um, in Rose Bay, actually. So we went right around the harbour. Heaven. Yep. Um, and I think I only had one privileged person who wasn't, well, besides the celebrant, um, one privileged person who wasn't family. And that was my photographer and one of my best friends, Hannah, um, who was oh, a bit Hannah. of a working guest. Um, <laughs> like, she, don't get too drunk. She, you know, she had a wine in one hand and the camera in the other and just told us where to stand and took a few photos for us in exchange for um, well, nothing for really. Being there. <laughs> being there. <laughs> but I, of course, wanted her there because um, she's, yeah, she, um, she's a very dear person to me. So, um, yeah, I think she was the only non-family member there and it was basically our parents and siblings and that's it. 
Um, that intimacy is so beautiful. Did you feel that on the day, the closeness of... Oh, yeah. I mean, it just, it felt right. Like, it felt casual and, um, but, yeah, intimate and just, um, just right. I, neither of us, like, both Steve and I are so... Steve especially is quite shy. He's come out of his shell so much, you know, since I've met him. Um, and I'm not naturally shy, but I also don't necessarily enjoy being the centre of attention either. And I think I think there's that pressure when you do get engaged or when you're thinking about your wedding that what you create, and I think this is why we see the weddings we do these days, that it has to somehow represent how good or your relationship Mm. is, you know, like how grand your love really is for each other. And I think I just wanted to do away with that pressure because, yeah. I mean, how can you sort of put that into an event? I, I don't know. I know people try and that's why you see people spend ridiculous amounts oh, of so money, much money. Um, you know, in that really that stage in your life where you probably should be saving a bit more than spending most of the time. Um and I just thought I don't see the value in it and I wanted it small and I wanted it just to feel like us and that did, luckily. Um, but because I just felt like if I had tried to do anything else, it would have overwhelmed me and I wouldn't have found any joy in it. Yeah, and you'd never really be satisfied. No, exactly. I feel like I went small to medium, mm. wasn't willing to invest. We both weren't. Yeah. And so... I sacrifice some of those bigger things like the proper, proper florist and mm. the proper arch and all that stuff that you would have had to have paid yes. heaps of money for the sit-down dinner. I just did stand up with tables and and I, I just looked at the prices and I was the same. I was like, well, we just didn't actually have the money either. No. So it wasn't even an option. So ours, I think we had 70 people. I couldn't have Katie on offline and be talking about her wedding and not ask what she wore. I loved her answer and learning that even as one of the most followed high fashion influencers in the country, even she doesn't think she got it wholly right. Will we ever? Um, I was very lucky actually to have had a dress made by the very dear Michael Lasorto. Um, oh, nice. For me. Um, he uh, was actually... Um, before he was going to release them, but he now has these sort of um, uh, ivory velvet um, cami um, sort of maxi dresses. And um, that was mine. It was like an ivory silk velvet, um, very minimal um, sort of slip dress style to the floor, um, open back, um, mm. just very, very minimal and I guess somewhat chic. Um, but I reckon it would have been pretty chic. Yeah, no, it was <laughs> it, it. it was good. I had to tape my boobs up <laughs> really in a really uncomfortable fashion, but um, look good. <laughs> that would have been the one time having the Alison no boobs. Oh, that's what I mean. Mm. Fashion, man. It's it's a no boob territory, seriously. Um, uh, but yeah, that's what I wore. And um, again, because it, it was actually quite a chilly day. So it was in August. So out on the water, um, I just wore like this sort of boyfriend blazer over the top. And I think I was wearing 
Gucci mules oh underneath. God, so you. Because uh, we ended up having to be barefoot anyway, um, which is really strange because I had always said I would have a barefoot wedding. And I always envisioned because I'd be on a beach or something mm. like that. But it was turns out because we were on a very expensive yacht where you couldn't have shoes on. <laughs> so I did have my barefoot wedding. Um, it was just, yeah, on a yacht instead. Um, and, yeah, no, it was just – Again, and whether I would go back and wear the same thing, I, I'm not sure. Really, um, I would wear something similar, but mm. I think I would put a bit more thought into it than what I did. Because again, I was all very last minute, counting back from the honeymoon <laughs> booking. <laughs> um, yeah, I again, it was something that I was like pretty happy with. But um, mm. of course, like Michael makes such beautiful dresses, so I probably would have always had him, like had something from him, um, but. Again, it was, it wasn't what I would call perfect at the time, but it was still right. Mm. Yeah, and there's some beauty in that, isn't there? Like, yeah, sometimes our taste levels can get so refined mm. that we're never actually going to meet our own no. expectation of what perfection is. Exactly. You know, the pressure is yeah incredible. Um, I'd love to talk about your business. Hmm. So, there's a couple of things you've um, you've created a brand that is not reliant on your face, your Certainly voice. <laughs> you have a beautiful face. <laughs> I wish it involved your laugh because I'm discovering it is amazing. But your face and your voice and your private life, mm. I guess. Um, was that very deliberate? Um, it was actually somewhat accidental, I suppose. Um, because early on uh, – when again, when I it was you know very early um, in starting Instagramming mainly, I suppose, um, and even blogging, um, a lot of uh, the images out there of people's um, you know displaying their personal style was very much full length, you know, top to toe things like that. And um, when I started out, I guess I was uh, uh, sort of chained to my uh, phone. That was pretty much my camera at the time. And I had no one to really take my photos and um, no sense of self-timers or, you know, stands or anything like that. So um, I started to take these quite um, uh, sort of detail shots, which I still do now, um, of sort of, I don't know, neck down to mm. mid-thigh is what you can extend your arm to, I'd say, <laughs> um, with a camera phone. Uh, and it just sort of, it was uh, not the done thing at the time. Um, I don't know, like I said, like the outfit of the days at the yeah. time were very much full length. And um, the oud. Yeah. <laughs> I do. do I do, do that in your head. I do. I do. I yeah. Used to say something like that as well in my head. I'm like, that's not right. <laughs> that's not right at all. What um, does that mean? <laughs> um, yes, the ut. Um, um, that old chestnut. Um, yeah, I. It was sort of those detail shots that. You know, as they say, necessity is the mother of invention and um, that's um, all I had to work with at the time before I started um, forcing my poor boyfriend, now husband at the time, to take my photos on the weekends with a proper camera. Um, and But people really responded to them. I suppose it's that real, that essence of an outfit is that, 
you know, that torso detail, I suppose. Mm. Like, you know, you get the jewellery, you get the outerwear, you get, you know, whatever you're wearing on the bottom. You know, you might miss the shoes. But, I mean, I guess that was the other thing. You did a lot of the from where I stand hashtag ones Mm. as well from, you know, up here down, sort of down to your feet. Um, And it sort of just evolved from that because I got good responses and people seem to like those sorts of images. And at the same time, I... I never really um, liked my face in photos, at least not in a posy sense, like happy to take smiley whatever's, you know, casual ones in real life. But I just found it a bit of a hindrance every time trying to get a photo I liked of my face. I felt uncomfortable, I suppose. I just didn't naturally feel like I photographed well. And I still don't necessarily in my face. I'm perfectly happy with my face in real life, but mm. good Lord, sometimes I see it in, in images and I'm like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> I'm the same. And like no comparison at all. It's like nobody's taking one and take pictures of my face. But um, <laughs> anytime... And, you know, if I get a beautiful person, say they want to profile me and they come to the house, I'm like, oh, here we go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just lots of me with my eyes shut. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, uh. <laughs> like, Yeah, oof. I just don't feel that I have like a very photogenic, like selfie. Mm-hmm. And my big trick is I only take my selfies in Instagram. Yeah. Because it's a direct mirror. Yes. Of your face. I don't know how to explain to accept that. In exactly. real life. Yes. But what my face looks like if I take a photo on my camera, mm. selfie, mm. no. I know. It's the opposite of what you think you should look like. Exactly. <laughs> which is what you really look like. Exactly. <laughs> which is kind of disturbing sometimes. Exactly. So yeah. I always think that like now if I'm meeting listeners in real life, I'm like, are they thinking, mm. oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's not. <laughs> that's the thing. I, I, I've honestly grown to accept that you honestly looks so much better. Like if you think about how how you think about other people, 99% of the time they will be thinking the same about you and most of the time it's far kinder than what you are to yourself. Yes. Um, so, I mean, as you age, you do realise that and you come to accept that, look, it can't be all bad, right? <laughs> can't be all bad. And um, obviously, you know, uh, how you express yourself is so important. It's part of who you are as well. So I think that's part of the struggle I have in that, you know, when you just can't sort of, you know, your personality doesn't seem to shine through in like a photo of your face sometimes, you know, sometimes you can look a bit aloof or a bit, Mm. you know, I've got resting bitch face, like to the extreme, like, you know, you look really sad or angry to be somewhere. Um, Yeah, I guess I just sort of wanted to take that out of what I was doing. And so I did the whole thing like from the neck down shoots or, um, you know, a lot of hair swish across the face sort of thing. That was a big thing um, I used to do and I still kind of do now um, just to take my face out of it and make it a bit anonymous and mm. a bit um, – I think that uh, that sort of increased engagement a bit as well from people, just that that anonymity and thinking, just being able to project themselves onto an image as well. Like when there's no face, I think you can appreciate the essence of it a bit better because um, you're not really wondering about who the person is or, you know, um, it's just more about like the outfit and things. Um, That's profound. Mm. Oh, dear. <laughs> yeah. <I> got deep. <laughs> no, I never had never thought about it that way. Yeah, but I, I, I think that's because – I just knocked the microphone. Um, I, I found that when I was looking at images, I, I uh, responded the most to – 
things that didn't really rely on someone being super beautiful or anything like that. It was really about the essence of their style. So um, I think once you take, you know, the face out of it to a point and you don't have to rely on that, um, I think it just, people respond to it better Mm. or at least, you know, my audience does. Um, Yeah, and I think like what I find following you is perhaps you allow us to see I don't know, like the fashion in its purest expression. Mm, That's a nice way to put it. Yeah, and like you've taught me a lot about layering and cut and that like oversize doesn't have to be masculine. Mm, mm -hmm. Like a lot of your imagery is really quite feminine, even though it shouldn't be. Yeah. Yeah, based on your style and what you wear, but you, yeah, you kind of have a way of translating it that. And it's always stuff that we can all wear. Mm. I think that's important. Yeah. I think that's really important. I like I what I um whatever I post, I always try to ground it in reality. I mean, it's I think once you start like we were discussing earlier trying to make things too contrived or um think about, you know, overthink things or, you know, trying like trying to get the likes or whatever. I think as long as you look at it and think it's cool, then that's that should be good enough. Mm. Um, not trying to overthink it in that regard, and you know, being relatable. I um, being relatable is so important because I do try to wear things that are. I wear a lot of secondhand things that you know. I mean, right now I'm wearing like a old men's Armani blazer that I know I got for like a hundred dollars secondhand, um, and it's one of my favorite things. Um, and I've always been a fan of things that people have to ask you where it's from or what you're wearing like you know it's not obvious like it's not obviously a Prada bag or it's you know not that any of that isn't you know it doesn't have its place but um I think it's so much better when people can't immediately identify what you're wearing because it's that unique or it's you know that nice that they just have to know and then you usually have to say I'm sorry it's like some old thing yes. that I got on the internet or in a vintage store. <laughs> this this is style. Yes. This is what style is. This is somebody's personal taste coming mm-hmm. through in pieces they've picked up yeah. along their travels and the way they're wearing new season this with the vintage. That is, I think, true style. And maybe do you think we've lost a little bit of that through Instagram? Because, yeah. Yeah, I... I think it's coming back around. Like I think, um, you know, it's not so stylized anymore. I think we went through a period maybe like it was probably at its peak like one and a half, two years ago or something where it was very much like very much the logo thing and the Mm. designer and, um, you know, how much, you know, how much money can you put into one outfit (laughs) sort of thing and that was considered style and I think we're kind of coming back around um, definitely also in terms of thinking about, you know, the sustainability factor and the environment and things like that, buying more secondhand, um, just really uh, thinking more about how you feel in something, how practical it is, how functional it is and how long-lasting that piece will be. I think we're finally coming back around to that a bit more, but you're right. I think Instagram still has sort of engendered that sense of, oh, I need something that 
you know, I need that expensive bag, you know, I need people to know where this is from and, you know, mm. it's got to be obvious and things like that. Whereas I think the more nameless and the more sort of, um, you know, again, that anonymity as much mm. as you can just have understated. that. understated. Yeah, just exactly. Like that's, if whenever someone describes my style as that, I love it because you're just like, great, good. Um, that's what I was going for. That's what I was going for. Just that real, you know, effortless, understated um, sort of approach and um, and grounded in reality always. Mm. And by that I mean also functional and practical and comfortable. Yes, <laughs> and comfortable. Please. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have flex. to share with you that <laughs> after I um, left work and – i got to get a new story. After I left my big job, um, I had like this physical um, like, what's the word, like repulsion for all of my logo stuff. Mm-mm. Like I felt uncomfortable walking around with the bag, with the logo and I was just like, oh, this yeah. is, bleh. why? <laughs> and so I would wear too. it and turn it around. Yep which I did most of the year until I finally, Tony bought me a Rylan bag Mm -hmm. for my birthday, which was such a beautiful treat. And now I just wear that with pride because you would have to know that's what brand it is or through Brooke maybe. Mm. But it's something I get asked a lot about on the street. Yeah. Where'd you get your bag? And I kind of love that opportunity to have a conversation with another woman. Yeah. But I'll know I'll wear it for 10 years. Like exactly. It's so classic. But all of those logo ones, they're in my cupboard and I'm like, do I do that thing where I save it for my kid and I'll have like really cool vintage I know. Gucci? I know. Or do I just – Yeah. I think we should, you know, I guess if we can and we're privileged enough to be able to keep them. Yeah. Maybe we keep them. I've got maybe just a couple that I would probably keep just because they're just so – beautiful um just maybe this one old gucci and oh like yeah one yeah just one other um but yeah i've i've gotten rid of a lot of just um i don't know why prada is getting such a bad name <laughs> I, I, I do like prada um love you, prada. but uh just i guess i had a few from them and a couple of other brands that i just yeah just didn't feel right anymore and i'm not thought, in alignment anymore yeah, yeah. just um I thought someone else can benefit from this. Mm. So um. I do look at your feed and I wonder if you spend a lot of money on <laughs> stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it's somewhat unavoidable that some money is spent, um, of course. But I suppose I, yeah, there are a few things that I really invest in. Um, so mainly probably shoes and bags would be – and. More, more so shoes. I don't really have that many bags, um, actually. Um, I'm sure my husband would disagree. But um, <laughs> uh, compared to some other people perhaps. But um, so some money does get spent there, but a lot of the time it'll be because I've um, – it'll be a birthday present or something I've really saved up for and I've, I've you know, sold something else um, to be able to afford that. I try to have that cycle going mm. where, you know, I need to get rid of something to be able to buy something else because um, uh, I do take really good care of my clothing as well. So I do get to pass it on to people, whether through sales or I just give it away um, sometimes to friends and family. Um, uh, so, you know, I do have that 
um, funding to be able to mm. do that. Um, and I do sort of justify it by saying, well, it's part of the job, you know. Well, it is. Got to stay chic. Got <laughs> <laughs> to stay relevant. Got yep, um, to get that bag. But um, I think I have really, really cut back on getting new things of late, um, I'd say, because um, I think I've finally, I'm finally getting to the point where my wardrobe is really feeling like um, it has some real longevity to it in terms of me not changing my mind about what it is I actually like anymore. You know, I've narrowed down the palette to a point, um, really gotten in touch with, you know, what my favourite pieces are and what I do wear every day and trying not to um, deviate from that too much, especially uh, like I know with what we do, it's, you know, those events and things mm. like that where you feel like, oh, I need a new dress for this or whatever and really trying not to fall into that trap because that can be really hard mm-hmm. um, to try to be like, well, I don't want to wear the same thing I always wear. But but at the same time, yeah. like when you walk in and you're in the black slip dress, mm. you always look the best in the room. That's the thing. It's like... <laughs> So sometimes (laughs) I guess I just like the thought again that um, it's that effortlessness that you've got to sort of embrace that you're going to look the same a lot of the time as well because it's your style um, and, you know, you're not going to look like a chameleon and, you know, it's like, oh, what's she going to wear next? You know, it's really going to be. Another black slip dress. <laughs> <laughs> but you know? I feel like you, you're reliable in that way. Yes. Like, and I admire that in women when they're so in tune with their style that it's, there's a consistency to it. Yeah. It's not a fad. It's not something they're just trying on for a while. It's actually, you know, kind of in the fabric of who they are and no yeah. pun intended. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> little brain working today. <laughs> Um, I did want to briefly talk about your business and I'm asking this question, I guess, on behalf of women who maybe want to do what you're doing um, or who want to have a better understanding of fashion as a business or creativity as a business. What's the shape of your business? Like is a lot of the work that you do, I often find with fashion creatives, so much of what they're doing we never see. In terms of client work and campaign work or strategy, creative strategy for clients. Totally. Versus what we see on Instagram by way of sponsorships and stuff. Mm. As much as you're happy to share just the shape of what it is that you do every day and... um it's very unglamorous in the day to day. Like, obviously, I think, you know, you hear this story time and time again. I mean, um, I I work from home, um, so I... You know, I've had an um, an office here or there, but um, most of the time I've just decided I dislike my own company, um, you know, uh, at home, just working off my laptop. And um, again, I've sort of consciously to a point chosen not to build up any sort of sit-in team or anything like that. Like I've never had an intern or an assistant or anything like that. I think it's because I'm just again, that independence sort of comes in and I just, I don't know, I'd just never been sort of good at delegating or anything like that. It's Mm. probably something I could work on, but, um, I just like to have total control, you know, control freak (laughs) basically. (laughs) Um, and so I, I guess I feel like I have somewhat of an external team with my, like my manager Lee and, um, my photographer Hannah and, um, my dad doing my accounting, (laughs) you know, (laughs) they're all there. They're just, um, we're not all at desks, you know, um, in the day to day, um, working together in the traditional sense. Um, but 
I'm that's what I enjoy. I think I enjoy having the flexibility every day to think, okay, what it is what is it that needs to be done today? Usually in the morning I um focus on the admin, you know, the emails or the invoicing and all that sort of thing, just tying up any loose ends and then um uh probably this is why because in my house at the moment the um light is best in the afternoon, so the afternoon is reserved for if I need to shoot something or um if I need to go out either with my photographer or at home, um, just to do a little something. Um, and so that'll change every day, but more often than not, my days tend to look the same mm. in that sense. And, um, hopefully I've worked out in the morning. That's a good thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I am actually quite disciplined in that sense, but, um, uh, yeah, I, um, my days, yeah, my days are quite flexible. I've never been someone who needs to, I'm not a Beck for example. Mm, very organized. Love you, Beck. I'm not you, though. Um, <laughs> in terms of just, yeah, really having, you know, goals necessarily every day. Like, I, I guess there's a checklist every day, but my any goals that I have, um, I don't know, they sort of, they're quite fluid a lot. There's, um, I think I'm, I've come to the point where I've built my business up so much that I'm just trying to sit in what is somewhat I would have seen a few years ago as success, I suppose, like as best as I can envision. Like Um, this is enough. Yeah. For at least just for For a minute. Yeah. I, I think, um, anyone who does what we do in that, you know, entrepreneurial spirit, say that fast five times, (laughs) barely got that out. Um, uh, we're always looking forward and trying to, you know, push forward and think what's next, what's next. And then you just never fully appreciate that, you know, if I look back three years ago, if I, I could never have envisioned doing what I've done in that time, like the opportunities I've gotten, um, the following I've like sort of gained. And I would have been, you, I I would never have believed you that I could be doing what I'm doing now, but it feels so natural and normal now that you just can't re- recognize it unless you take a step back mm. and try to look at that and sit in it. Yeah, that's yeah. so interesting. Yeah, because, and I think it's probably you know you're at that age too where you're thinking, what's the long term look like as well, and that's quite scary when you have, you know, this business that's reliant on you know a whole a platform that's not yours. I mean, you don't own it and you know, you somewhat have no little control about who even sees your content sometimes mm. with algorithms and all that fun stuff. Um, How are you thinking about that then? Uh, like I said, I think I'm just, I'm in that space where I'm trying to be more present and enjoy where I'm at at the moment while always just looking for that next thing as it comes, I mm. suppose. I I suppose I always thought that I would eventually, um, say, have my own brand, you know, maybe, you know, clothing line or, you know, because I just, um, I've done a bit of design collaborations in the past that have been so fun and thought, oh, that would be so good to have. But, you know, as we move closer, you know, and move further forward in terms of, you know, sustainability and like, you know, fashion's you effect on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All that. You don't want to add, you just don't. I mean, there's enough out there already, shortly. Mm, I too commend much. you for that, like taking responsibility. Yeah. You know, there's not a lot of people who would put that forward. Mm. It would be, oh, I'll just do mine and then everyone will figure it out later. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and it's that fact about, you know, needing to, um, 
I would, oh God, I would just be so caught up in the effect of it that it would just take the fun out of it, I think, a bit. So I'm just trying to, yeah, like I said, just sit in what I'm doing at the moment, enjoy it for what it is, because right now I'm actually, you know, doing quite well with it and just try to appreciate it um, mm. without worrying about it too much yet. Yeah. <laughs> just, you know, I, I feel like we all deserve that one period, even if it's like just a couple of years where just you just relax for a bit yeah <laughs> just kind of being at one with the work and yeah yeah that's really beautiful advice for people listening so thank you because I could probably take that myself right now and yeah we yeah you know just because it's the fear of the unknown and that mm. getting off that hustle which I have done but um but yeah it's good for me to reflect on like it's okay like if you had said to me a year ago you'll be doing the podcast full time I'd be like lol yeah but <laughs> no I wouldn't yeah um so just enjoying it mm. um I could talk to you for hours I've got so many more questions but we're out of maybe we'll have to do a part time. two <laughs> I'd love that um uh, as you know I ask each of my guests a final question yes <laughs> oh god <laughs> um offline exists as an exploration of self Yep. And who are we without the labels that we put on ourselves? I feel like for you, you've maintained this privacy in a way where there isn't many labels on you. There's a bit of mystery about you, which I've always loved. Um, but when you're sitting in true self, like outside of the brand you've cultivated on Instagram and I guess the person we all know you to be mm. through your style and I'm hoping that people hear Katie today because I feel like I got you in your true essence which is so valuable so thank you you're welcome but who are you when you're sitting in in your true self hmm always such a tough question isn't it um I suppose I am someone who when sitting in my truest self I am someone who is always curious yet content with where my life is and where I see it going. Um, I was, like I said, I started out early in life asking questions and being a bit sceptical about life in general, just, you know, critical thinking, very important. And I'm always questioning, yeah, whether what I'm doing is what I really want, um, and, you know, always having that curiosity, but I am also very content with where I'm at and where I'm going. And I will hopefully stay that way. It's a great answer. <laughs> Honestly, it's not an easy question. Oh, I guess you go on forever or not say anything at all. <laughs> so that sort of oh, I could question. honestly talk to you for hours. I feel like <laughs> there's so many things we didn't cover. So I am definitely going to try for a part two. Yeah, so that's coming. We <laughs> we'll just do a better job of trying to align the schedules. Totally. Like, next month, next month, next month. Well, now I know where to find you. Exactly. So. <laughs> just in this weird little cement room. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Listening to my own voice. I really like it. <laughs> it's got a good vibe. Yeah. Um, I want to thank you so much for sitting down with me. It means a lot because you don't. And no. <laughs> I just feel like we had a really beautiful conversation. So thank you. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Offline. Visit getoffline.co to explore more episodes 
the online courses I've created to help you succeed consciously, and upcoming community events. Follow getoffline.co on Instagram and me. My handle is Alison Larson Rice. Lastly, if you know someone who would benefit from hearing these honest conversations, please share offline with them.